Hi, this is Alex Romanovich, and welcome to Global Edge Talk. And today is uh, October 16th, 2023. And our guest, all the way from south of France, Anna Varava. How are you, Anna? Great. Thank you, Alex. Nice to hear from you. How is day in New York? The weather is so-so. Uh, it's, um, it's already getting chilly, about 10, 12 degrees Celsius. And, um, you know... It's uh, we're getting ready. We're getting some warm clothing, but I'm sure south of France is very, very nice right now. Yeah, um, it's you have a very interesting background. You're um, um, you come from the fashion industry. You've dedicated yourself to that industry for quite some time. You worked um, in a very famous magazine, L'Officiel, uh, representing that magazine in many countries. Ukraine being one of them. You're originally from Ukraine. So tell us about your background a little bit. Uh, you know, what? how did you start in the world of fashion? And, uh, you know, maybe go all the way back to your, you know, early days and tell us more. Yeah, with pleasure. So my professional path started when I was 20 or 21. And I started in Kyiv Linguistic University. And uh, once I was just asked to make... Um, an article, something about something in fashion. And my first article was about Pacaraban, a uh, very famous French couturier. And uh, they liked my work and uh, they just asked me to, to work a little bit for Officiel. I, to be honest, at that time, I had no idea what's the magazine about. And, you know, I was, I was living my life. I was studying at university. Uh, so I started to, to work there as an editor. I did some interviews with foreign guests. I also wrote some articles. And step by step, I got more involved uh, in this business and actually an editorial work. Uh, then after in some time, I went to London. I uh, studied there fashion uh, uh, styling and fashion buying in Institute of Morangoni. Then I came back and I uh, decided to do more uh, with styling. So shootings, covers, uh, uh, fashion stories and so on for official and for other magazines in the publishing house. Then I went to Milan. I uh, studied uh, fashion marketing and PR there in Morangoni as well. And then I started to develop the brand in Ukraine, the whole uh, official brand. And the final step was FIT in New York City, actually. Uh, and I did fashion business over there. Uh, so I was uh, in some time, I became editor in chief and uh, let's say the brand development developer yeah, of the brand official in Ukraine. And they did a lot of fashion shows, educational seminars, um, everything in the industry that I wanted. And uh, in some time I launched uh, then, I spent actually with official in Ukraine 14 years. Uh, then I got my third MA in Berlin in international relations and cultural diplomacy. And uh, in, uh, I guess, in one year, it was in 2019, I launched Officiel in Austria. Uh, so I was uh, also in this business and I was a CVO and also editor-in-chief for this uh, for this project. And I did first in Austria um, an haute couture fashion show. 
And together, yeah, it was dedicated to the launch of Officiel. It was inter international haute couture fashion show. We had it in a French embassy. And uh, actually, it was epic and successful. And uh, no one did it uh, before in Austria and all the VIP wars and so on. So the lounge was great. And um, all this, actually, all this time, I also do uh, consulting. I worked with ministries. I worked with international organizations. We also had a council for creative industries development in Ukraine, where I was an expert and also I like everything connected to fashion. It can also be a um, fashion tech, like because at the moment I also I am also an expert in Ukrainian startup fund. Uh, so evaluating startups in fashion and lifestyle and um, how how fashion is developing. I'm there in many projects actually. So that is briefly. <laughs> wow, that's an amazing that's an amazing story and an amazing career path. I uh, would love to hear more about it. Uh, let me ask you this question. Um, L'Officiel and uh, Ukraine, mm. um, how difficult, how challenging, how um, impossible or possible was it to bring this uh, incredible brands, incredible magazines, and, and this entire you know, fashion, if you will, entire fashion uh, format to Ukraine, because Ukraine is, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, and forgive me, my Ukrainian friends, but Ukraine is not very well known internationally for fashion. There are a lot of wonderful fashion designers. There's a lot of wonderful fashion, uh, you know, products, if you will, and even platforms. But, you know, Ukrainian fashion typically don't, you know, mix uh, uh, almost as a typical, you know, as a typical uh, conversation piece. So how what what was it like to bring you know Paris-based magazine, French magazine and the entire format to Ukraine? Um actually I guess it was super super challenging and you can imagine it it was more than I was there 14 years so it was about 20 years ago and in Ukraine there was no boutique, no mono brand stores. I remember that Louis Vuitton was the pioneer over there and they opened a few years after Officiel was already on the market. So uh, for many, many years, people um, wasn't were not able to pronounce the name. <laughs> Let's start from that. Yeah, we participated in, uh, uh, as I developed the brand, I understood that we need corporations that, uh, you know, we need to to be at events as a brand. Yeah, we need to talk to people to communicate as a brand official and to uh, to show what is that. Uh, so at many events, people, even the, um, you know, the guests and the hosts of the events, they couldn't even uh, pronounce the name. So it was a challenge, yeah. But uh, anyway, on the market, it was one of the, yeah, we had office, uh, we had L, we had after that Harper's Bazaar, but Officiel was like the first one. And then Louis Vuitton opened and then the brands came to the market. So from one side, it was a, it was very challenging, but from the other side, it was a great move. It was a great initiative because we were the first. We first who made a production studio. We first who gathered photographers and talented people and gave them from, from my side here, yeah, from, uh, from our professional team. Uh, we gave them this knowledge. We, um, 
and gave them work. We worked together to produce these fashion stories, to produce projects and so on. And a lot of people actually from our studio are now citizens of U.S., uh, as they have a great portfolio. And after that, they, they made this portfolio and they had an opportunity um, to develop themselves in uh, other countries and to show their talent and made it more professional. So, um, yeah, it was difficult, but that was a success. And for many years, we were the only one who initiated projects and everyone knew about that. And uh, I would say that because we... And myself uh, put a lot of energy, put a lot of professional knowledge in that. And uh, I knew how to develop. I felt that. And they did this project, you know, I was very passionate about. Wow, that's incredible. Well, yeah, so it was it was fairly challenging bringing it to, into a European country when you think about it, right? But the country that had very little in the infrastructure, no brands whatsoever, and you almost paved the way to a lot of those brands to come into the come into Ukraine. So let's talk about more difficult topics. Um, here you are enjoying doing uh, amazing stuff, loving your work. And in 2014, Russia invades Ukraine. That was the first invasion. And then uh, I'm not sure what happened with you at that time. But if you did stay in Ukraine, then the second time, again, took place in 2022. What happened with you? What happened with the magazine? What happened with the world of fashion all of a sudden, which is so fragile, which is so um, so um, sensitive to uh, the environment, if you will, right? Mm. Um, I mean, what? who cares about fashion when there's a war in the country, right? So how how did you overcome that challenge? What happened to you? What happened to the magazine? And tell us more about that. Yeah. Actually, I remember that at that time in 2014, at that time I was in France as well, where it all happened. But then, of course, I came back. Uh, to be honest, I'm, I didn't really realize that what happened. Yeah, it was a tough time, exactly. And a lot was... Uh, you know, challenging and changing and so on. Uh, but we didn't feel that because it was only on the uh, eastern part, mostly, yeah, on the country. And we are, I live in Kiev and everything, all the business mostly concentrated in Kiev. Uh, so, yeah, it was a little bit of isolated war, let's say, yeah. And in 2022, uh, in February, actually just before I was in U.S. for quite long and beginning of February, I had to come back to Ukraine because I had a meeting and we had a lot of projects, interesting projects with UNESCO and so on. that had to be in Ukraine. We wanted to make a, a celebration of uh, uh, friendship between Italy and Ukraine and also, uh, yes, with, with this in this cultural field with UNESCO. And so that's why I came back. It was beginning of February. And uh, I didn't really recognize that something was happening. I was doing my job. I had a lot of uh, projects going on. I just uh, went back to Western Ukraine to teach seminar. And uh, February 23, I flew back to Kiev. And then I understood that what the last flight and the uh, airport was closed. So uh, I didn't know. I was like... Uh, 
Actually, yeah, I'm not a person who is uh, reading news all the time, and uh, I want to be more peaceful with my head, yeah, with uh, with my life, and to be concentrated on the positive side of all that. So maybe I neglected or I was not that involved um, in the things that's uh, that was happening. And uh, twenty, yeah, February twenty four, I was in Kiev, and yeah, I walked up, I went on the street, and then I realized, actually, I didn't realize, I just understood that everything is so strange going on. And uh, of course, it's hard. When uh, before I was traveling, I was I visited 67 countries. I lived in eight countries. So I always, uh, I was rare in Kiev. Yeah, let's say, let's say so. And all my friends know that. But I'm not forced to leave the city. I'm not forced to leave my home. You know, because I know this is my flat, this is my home, this is my city, all my stuff is there, and I can come back anytime, whenever I live or where I do. And uh, at that time, I had to pick up my clothes in five minutes, actually not clothes, but just a small bag and my documents and leave the the city, the house, the country, everything, because it was, uh, they said that the that Kiev was um, surrounded by Russian troops. And if they uh, take the city, so it's uh, it won't it will be uh, almost not possible to leave. So that was the story, and that was a big big stress. First of all, yeah. And after I didn't realize that for one month when I happened to be in Romania. After then, I came to Germany. After I still didn't realize that, and my stress reaction was doing things, you know. First of all, I couldn't meet. Yeah, I was frozen. I didn't know what to do. All my family is in another city of Ukraine, so they stay there. And I'm like in between. I'm here, I'm there. I'm thinking about you, about myself, what to do and so on. And yeah, I happened to be in Germany and my stress reaction was uh, looking for the job, looking for opportunities, looking for projects. And that's what I started to do. For most of people, uh, maybe they have different reaction, and that is better. Uh, in my sense, yeah, it was li- really like more stress and then more stress, you know. And I didn't give time for myself to do that. So I happened to be in Germany and I started working on the projects. Um, so you actually, were, um, at that time, you were no longer with L'Officiel, correct? Yeah, I finished with L'Officiel in Ukraine four years ago. And then I launched in 2019 in Austria. And then from 2020, I was more uh, with uh, institutional work, in consulting, in doing projects and so. Yeah, there was another disruption, obviously, which is COVID, which took over the world. Um, How did you, what happened with you during COVID? How did you handle that? Because as you said, you traveled to 67 countries. You even beat my record. I've traveled to 65, I think, or something like that. But uh, the question I have is, you know, when you get involved with the global business like this, right, and you have COVID, which paralyzes the entire world, what? how do you do? How do you digitize your experience, so to speak? Exactly. That's, that's uh, uh, you are right, saying that uh, a lot of... Uh, went into digital world and uh, they, of course, they resort uh, their business, what they have to do. Uh, they became more conscious about yeah, what to do, how to help the business. And I actually took an SMM team and I worked on 
my more on my social media presence because before I had very uh, intense life, let's say I had no time for my social media for sharing uh, what I can do for experience and so on. I made also my um, course. It's image share as I had my second MA as an image maker psychologist. So I did my course dedicated to image making where everyone can, you know, can learn about themselves and understand uh, about their appearance, what they, how they want to be presented to this world, which calls to appear by, by means of their appearance, clothes and so on. So I was concentrated on that. And that was the end of 2021, actually, when I launched the course. And of course you had, yeah, we became more digital and, um, yeah, I consulted project mostly by online. Yeah. And it was less offline activities, but more online and still fashion industry grew at that time, uh, because they sold so much things online. Also because of the stress, people were stressed. They had a lot of time and they were buying, buying, buying online and so on. So they were buying clothing, they were buying expensive bags, they were buying scarves, they were buying jewelry, accessories, everything, right? Exactly. Perfume, you name it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. And I, my friends actually had an offline boutique, uh, boutique yeah, and uh, they had a very high-priced uh, items. And sometimes they opened, and during the COVID, they sold the most high-priced items and the, I, I guess the biggest amount ever. So people wanted that things, you know, it's COVID time. They wanted they wanted to uh, relieve the stress somehow, correct? And if they had yeah. the money, yeah, they, they figured, you know, who knows what's going to happen next. Let me ask you, but, you know, COVID was not just about buying things. It was also about logistics. It was also mm-hmm. about manufacturing, right? So okay. when you say luxury items were flying off the uh, warehouses and shelves and so forth and so on, but what about logistics? Because logistics was... You know, you had to deliver the goods, right? You had to manufacture the goods. How did that impact the fashion industry in general? Yeah, at that time, we um, actually had um, requests from more from European countries, mostly from Netherlands, who wanted to work um, basically with Ukraine because during COVID, they understood that their production in China uh, is not actually beneficial anymore for them. And they want countries to be closer to them. So Europe... They looked on the countries like, okay, Bulgaria, Ukraine, um, maybe Romania to produce goods over here because they first they produced in China, then they moved to Turkey, but Turkey in some time they became more and more expensive. And then they saw, okay, here is Ukraine and they, uh, these guys are not expensive, but the quality is great. So why won't we work with them? And that at that time we started project with Netherlands. How, you know, to combine, uh, how to tie our industries actually. And, uh, they wanted to produce in Ukraine and, uh, to be more safe, you know, uh, and from, from this point of view. So I think that at this time, even a lot of companies, they resort, uh, where they produce what for. Yeah. And these high priced items, they also, it's also a move because they wanted to, they, became eager to produce more high-priced items than buy a lot, a lot of cheap stuff. So it's also changed a little bit and influenced the sustainability uh, aspect of the fashion industry in this case, I would say, yeah, with the COVID. 
Interesting. So let's, uh, Anna, let's talk about you for a moment. Um, I know the business is great uh, in terms of um, what companies are doing and so forth, but let's talk, let's dig a little bit deeper into you as a, mm-hmm. as a personality, as a person. Um, all these disruptions, especially, you know, being in the industry segment, such as uh, fashion, that is very sensitive to disruptions, that is very sensitive to uh, disruptions in logistics, in, in um, you know, economics, if you will, the economy of the particular country and so forth, the spending power of the consumer um, and so forth, the movement. Um, how did you feel? You know, what, what went through your mind in terms of your career, what you've built so far, um, and where it's all going in the sense that, you know, what are you going to be doing next? What have you learned? Maybe something changed in your value system. Tell us about how you felt and how you feel now. Yeah, that's a sensitive question, actually. And it's good that you're asking me it now, not before. before because before, like for all this time, even for all this year, I didn't understand uh, what are the values, why people, you know, buy things but they don't think about human lives, like what is the sense of life and so on. They don't need all this stuff. So actually, yes, it changed values in a way, but then um, me, yeah, I started to value life more. I started to value good things more. Real people who are not like just talking, who are doing things. And uh, let's say who have big hearts and who want to help you, not because you are someone, not because you did something, but just because they want. And that actually, I saw that a lot and maybe I'm lucky to see that. And I understood that it's it's really great and it's, uh, it's better, it's bigger than just uh, some items you, you want to sell or it's just more than goods or it's just more than, uh, you know, selling something and so on. Um Yes, I did. Uh, maybe uh, that's good because uh, all my life I was developing, I was working on myself. I, I've been around the world to spiritual places, you know, so uh, I did a lot of th- things for myself. So I always uh, want and try to um, uh, to see the good part of life, uh, to see um, something good and things what they're happening and then at some point i was i felt on myself if i'm going negative or if i um if i read bad news it influenced me a lot and uh i really destroy myself uh inner outer i felt it on my health and so on so um actually the uh uh the lesson for me was is to if i don't if i can't change something I don't need to to take emotions from it on me. I don't need it to influence me because it just makes bad on me and that's it. And if we try to do good things all together because we are all connected, it it actually works. And um, if we concentrate on this bright side, on something good, on doing good things and valuable things, it helps. It really helps. And let's say maybe it's a positive psychology or... It's a mindset, but it works. And in this case, I like America and 
in case America in some in some sense American mindset. Yeah, when people try to when successful, being successful is great. You know, like okay, wow, man, you're good, you made it. Yeah, let's go. And from one side, it's good because um I was in Europe for most of the time, and some people, or maybe many people in Europe, uh, they try to um, to be upset about their life, and they put these emotions on you. They are not satisfied every moment of their life. Oh, this is bad. Oh, this is bad, and so on. Oh, I need to work, or I need to work. But for instance, like mindset in America, but maybe it's just my vision, but let's see, yeah. They are more, okay, let's do it. It's not like, oh, I need to go to job. It's more like, yeah, we have to do it. Yeah, that's cool. No, so this is just about our angle, how we see things. And um, yeah, I try to see this in a positive way, everything what's going on and to believe in something good and beautiful. That's why maybe I'm still in fashion and I like to do these things because I think that it brings beauty to this world <laughs> in a sense as well. Absolutely, absolutely, and I'm glad you're saying this about America because, you know, we we have a global audience, and um, I was dying to ask you a question about you know being a fashion expert in Europe and traveling to so many countries. So, how does America stack up? How does America compare to, let's say, European countries or even countries like uh, Korea and Japan and the uh, Middle East and so forth? If you were to compare, give us sort of a high level comparison in terms of how fashionable, if if you can call it that, how fashionable are Americans in comparison to French or Italians or Germans or British and so forth? In other words, where is the uh, where is the true fashion, you know, originating from, and um, how do different countries that you've noticed uh, and different populations, how do they feel about that? Yeah, good question. It's actually very different. I would say that America is more about freedom. And I feel myself, if I travel to different countries, even with the same suitcase, I dress differently. I style things differently. And in US, uh, mostly, okay, I can't say about the whole US because uh, I can say only in particular, like uh, New York, Miami, and LA, where I work all the time. Yeah, that I feel great. I feel so much inspiration. I feel freedom and I was actually uh, impressed and I like that when I just put something, I go out on the street and I see random people who are like, wow, I love it. What are you wearing? Wow, that's amazing. You know, it brings you so much great emotions and I don't know how they, but they notice cool things in you because I like, for instance, I like these boots. Yeah, I put them, I go out and they notice it. But if I put the same boots somewhere in, in, okay, let's say in Germany, they will uh, look at you like you're crazy or what? Like, why are you wearing this? Oh, no, you are not black. You you, you know, uh, I went, uh, I was working eight months in the office um, in Germany. Uh, I went to the office like I dress in my way. Yeah, of course, it's nothing crazy, but it's not dark. It's something, yeah, I use colors, I use style and so on. And they saw that people looked at me like, whoa, it's unusual. It's not very ordinary. And they used to be super ordinary in that. So in this case, um, Germany is very good in terms of production, but in terms of cars production, electronics, and so on. But it comes to creativity, unfortunately not. 
So people are not fashionable, but at the same time, they consume a lot of goods. The Germany is one of the country or the countries that uh, consume the most uh, fashion. I mean, garments, yeah, clothes. But they can buy same time one ordinary t-shirt or jeans for many many years, and that's it. But it will be always new clean and that's a good aspect that it's new and clean but <laughs> still no creativity no imagination and so on uh french france or france yeah and french of course it's a lot of style you've got so much inspiration i love going to fashion week to um, yeah to france or to milan because it inspires you a lot you see so beautiful people from around the world who express themselves not in a nor in a garbage, not in a grunge style, but in very cool, in very fashionable, in very you know like up to date, and it's so cool to get all these views, inspiration, and so on. Just to, you know, you feel the atmosphere when you go to Berlin. It's it's mostly trashy. Yeah, people think they are creative, but sorry, not they are really like trashy outfits, but they want to create something, and you can feel it. You can't even. You know, express why, but you, but you feel, oh, this is beautiful, but this is no. So France. Well, and, we have and, we do have some German audience in the um, in our followers, but uh, let's let's hope they're not going to take it too close to heart. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not really personal. I'm taking you know like this this is the uh, uh, this is the vision from outside of vision of people, and they can explain why because I also de- um, you know, was doing cultural diplomacy and I investigated all the things. And they worked with fashion diplomacy, how it's in every country, you know, how people can represent themselves and why it happens. Yeah, it's how they, of course, there are creative people also in, uh, yeah, in Germany, in big cities, in Munich, you can see that. But even if you look on the influencers of the number of influencers and who are those people in different countries, it's a little bit in Germany and Austria, but it's a lot of you in U.S., in US, in much there is much freedom of self-expression. There is uh, also a lot of style. Yeah, they're not really fashionable because we have and I have a lot of friends and I've been a lot, uh, yeah, to US places and people go there and they say, yeah, they can go to the restaurant in flip flops and uh, you know there's some shorts. Come on, we want to dress uh, beautiful and go outside, but. This is this is US. You, you can you know you can see um, billionaires in shorts and uh, but for instance you go to Monaco and everyone dress beautifully over there because it's like it's a vibe and you want to do that. You are in beautiful places. It's a historical buildings. They have history for more than five hundred years. Uh, queens, uh, uh, some royal families were here. So you want to be you know in these surroundings. And this is, um, if you're a creative person and you're in the in other countries, you feel yourself differently and you can adapt and you can feel how um, how actually people live and by which values they live and how they express themselves. Very interesting. Very interesting comparisons. Very cool. Um, let me ask you a different question. Um, so if you met Anna 10 years ago, what advice would you give her? And what advice would you give a lot of the entrepreneurs, global entrepreneurs who are either entering the fashion industry or in the fashion industry? What is your sort of, what is your uh, statement to them? But let's go back first to 
What would you say to yourself, to Anna of 10, 15 years ago? You won't believe, but uh, I think she's uh, more cool, <laughs> more free. <laughs> uh, she used to be, <laughs> let's say, five, 10 years ago. I had no obstacles. I had no fears. I did whatever I wanted. I realized unbelievable projects. Like, can you imagine? It was, um, I was, uh, whatever, 30, 30 something, like five years ago, I went to Austria and I launched an international... You don't have to tell us about your age. That's okay. We know that you're barely <laughs> 29. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, but still, five years ago... <laughs> Um, I went to Austria and I launched Officiel over there. And you can imagine there there was no big brands like that before. And I don't speak any German. I'm not originally from Austria. And we have a lot of um, these mental things, yeah, psychologically and uh, peculiarities that in Austria, they don't accept foreigners, let's say, yeah, on a deep level. Uh, so, but I, I didn't have any fear. I knew what I wanted to do. I um, took an international brand, haute couture brand. They believed me. I don't know. I had so much, you know, like passion and power. <laughs> and I said that, um, that I, I attracted people and they believed in the project. They came. We did a great job together. So actually, yes, I, I'm really proud of how I was five, ten years ago <laughs> and uh, what I achieved after when I was first flying to New York, I had even no place to live in, but uh, I did it. And I know, okay, I want to study in FIT. Uh, that's my goal. I'm going there. And now I wish I don't have these obstacles because I really feel that I have more obstacles in my mind. Uh, actually, a bit more fears appeared and I'm more cautious about things. And um, I would advise everyone to not be kept by these fears, don't believe in obstacles and just uh, feel what they want to do and go and do this. If you think a lot about the, uh, about things, uh, they won't happen. You just need to try, do, do mistakes and don't blame you on these mistakes. That's my uh, advice for myself, first of all, and to other people as well. Yeah, to be brave, to do things. That's why, you know, uh, I always look and I always look to US side how people do crazy things let's say from one from one side but they somehow they succeed and somehow they got results even they can't really think of that because they just it's the atmosphere it's just the surrounding that stimulate you to do that and um yeah so Be free in uh, in the mind and uh, be 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 really dedicated to your wishes and your goals. I think it's the main the main point. Um, it's been actually a great discussion. I appreciate it so much. Uh, let's close our discussion with two topics that are kind of related, uh, or at least I think they are. What's next in fashion, and what's next for you? Um, what's next for me? That's a good question. <laughs> Actually, I would like to answer that, but uh, I, I, to be honest, I took some time for myself to understand. Even during this year, I traveled a lot. I've been to Bali, to Spain, to France, to 
Czech Republic, Germany, and so on, to see what's going on in the world. Um, and uh, as I got used to big projects, uh, for me, I'm like gathering on my, on my knowledge, experience, and so on. And I'm ready for big things because actually small ones, yes, I do consulting of small projects, but it's cool. But I, I can do big ones and uh, as I usually did. And uh, it's my it's my topic. It's my theme. I can do this. So I hope for some big projects coming to my life soon. Uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess I'm ready for that because I can give a lot to this world and I know how to do things. And with that great experience from many, many countries, I think it's very precious and um, valuable. And in fashion industry, I would say, and that also we are working on, it's sustainable aspects that we need to be more conscious about um, this industry because it's the second most polluted industry and that yeah, brings uh, a lot of pollution to the world, to water. And we see how the global, how the climate changed. And it's still, yeah, it's cool, it's hot uh, in October, but we never had such temperature in the middle of October anywhere. And uh, it's really like it influenced the nature and I'm very conscious about that because it's our planet, it's our home in a big sense and we need to think about that and take care of. So in fashion, I am a lot for sustainable aspects upcycling, recycling this uh, carbon dioxide yeah, to produce less, uh, to make um, brands, not just clothes, but brands. That's why I, I'm i stimulating brands to become brands and to, to do something great in the industry, you know, not just to produce some items, numerous garments and to sell more. But when when clothes is somehow a piece of art, when you can wear it for several seasons and it's still and it's still good that's why we need to invest and uh and it's uh, and it's a zero carbon footprint as well right is it is yeah. it even is it even is it even possible to create fashion that is a zero carbon or near zero carbon footprint or highly sustainable in other words is this something that's realistic no, I'm not sure, like 100%, but still, uh, there is also some uh, some programs that regulate it. For instance, like if you use these materials, but then you put something on charity, on donation in green ecology, in some countries they introduce this system. Or if you do recycle projects, and a lot are doing this now, so it's great. We don't like waste, we don't... Uh, uh, we don't burn these items, but we um, redo this, yeah, in a way, uh, recreate other garments. And if we, by ourselves, are more conscious and we don't buy a lot, it's it's uh, it depends on everyone. Uh, if this is our approach and we think, okay, better, I would buy these clothes for one, two, three seasons, but uh, I would skip fast fashion. I would skip like. Uh, you know, millions of things buying at the same time. And for me, it's also my experience when I have to travel um, around for many, many countries. It's the biggest issue for me is a suitcase that I have to, you know, like I, I need all these clothes and I guess, okay, it would be much better if it traveled by itself or if we have less, <laughs> less items, <laughs> less clothes 
and we can you know style it maybe differently that's what that's uh, i'm also talking in my uh, course about that you that you don't need a lot of things in your wardrobe you just can restyle them you just can add some accessories to the look and it will always look fresh new and it will uh, suit to different occasions so this is the whole mindset if we change it step by step I guess uh, we can be on the right way. And it's been actually fascinating discussion. I really appreciate your time today. We'd love to have you back on the show um, and talk more about fashion, talk about more about you, what's, you know, what follow your footsteps, if you will. But thank you for being with us and uh, we wish you all the best. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate your invitation and this talk. Actually, it's much better than talking with psychologists in a way, yeah, <laughs> because it's also industry and psychology and so on and professional. And I hope uh, uh, it will help a lot of people to hear something useful for themselves. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you, Alex.